Hi everyone, this is Jordan, aka Benny, from the Three Men and Their Babies podcast. I'm not going to be on the show today, and I think you can probably guess the reason for that. The baby is coming. Friday, we had a scan, and the baby's head was so low that they couldn't actually um, measure it properly. So that means that the doctors thought the baby might be trending towards being underweight, which had them a little bit worried. Not like they're not crazy about it. So they decided to offer Blossom a induction, but they gave her the weekend to figure out whether she wanted to do that. So um, that was Friday, and then we had we went back in today to figure out what we wanted to do. And funnily enough, um, during Sunday night, Blossom started. Well, she had some wetness, shall we say, down below. A bit of um, mucus, a bit of show, as they say. And her waters broke during the night. Only slight, only very slightly. And then when we went in for the um, for the meeting with the doctor, she gave her a little uh, examination. And then the waters really broke. So Blossom is going in to the hospital tomorrow. Tuesday the 20th to be induced. And then... We should hopefully have a baby. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I love you all. Hope you're all having a good day. And I will see you soon, hopefully, with a proper, proper baby update. I'm going to leave you in Daniel and Adam's very capable hands. They're not as funny as me, but they'll get by. This is Benny, signing off. Now on to the real podcast. Wayne's World in five, four, three. So you've just heard Benny's little baby update there. If you're wondering if we're going to talk about stuff that he maybe mentioned, is it because he sent us that during the show? So Adam and me couldn't then, we'd already finished and Adam had something else to do. So we couldn't go back and re-record a different beginning or something. So if it sounds a little bit off and you're wondering why we may be saying things that Benny's repeated, that's why. Anyway, hope you enjoy the show, folks. Cheers. Welcome back, everybody, to Three Men and Their Babies. Three dads, three very different scenarios, another cheeky twosome this week, as one of the dads with the most different scenario is living that scenario right now, as Benny and his good lady Blossom are eagerly awaiting the arrival of the baby. With me is Adam. How you doing, mate? I'm all right. I I am super excited and unfortunately super broody now. I cannot wait. (laughs) For that goddamn baby to come out <laughs> so I can drive several hours to Benny and Blossom's house and cuddle that damn baby. <laughs> that is all that I'm focusing on at the moment is damn baby cuddles. Oh, I am so excited for them. I know it. Uh, Benny, especially as a dad, because we know how that feels when when that baby comes out and your whole life changes and you are suddenly in love with a woman or girl, like, in such a different way than you will have ever been in your life. And your whole, like, life and your perspective on things changes. And I cannot wait for Benny to catch that virus (laughs) that affects us all as dads. (laughs) It is insane, isn't it? It's just mental. It's, it's, you can't, nobody can explain what it's like really having a kid. You don't know what it's like until you have a kid and you can't explain it. Everything changes. There's some cosmic... It's a weird cosmic equation that's been deep rooted in us for thousands of years, ever since the first yeah. 
ever since the first fish got onto land and decided to stand up and try walking about a bit. It's just been there and it's just crazy. And you can never yeah. replicate it. Nothing feels like it. There's there's nothing as, as good as it on the planet. It's just, oh my God, this is my baby. And okay, let's go. And it's just great. And looking back on it now, you'd appreciate it. So maybe it's different because when you, like you've got three kids, I've only had the one. So I guess I never got to to kind of relive that because when you have more than one kid you can kind of because you know what's happening now you're like oh okay i'm set i'm not going to panic like the second and third kid you don't panic as much because you know what to do you know all the practices you know the best methods and little tricks and things like that and you can kind of get around it easy there is something about that first kid when you just holy shit everything's different and it just it just clicks instantly and it's amazing it's so amazing yeah for for me uh, when it came to my second and I hope he doesn't listen to this because I don't want him to take it the wrong way. But second baby was just more like shit. Now we got to like get our life into focus. As much as it was the excitement of a new life coming in and a, a boy, you know, the first boy of the family and someone that I love and admire so much and have done since he was born. Part of me was always like shit. Two kids. That's a lot of organisation <laughs> we've got to do in our lives. It's twice the organisation, Adam. <laughs> Well, exactly. <laughs> and and when it came to the third, because my life was so different, it was like having the first kid again. Well, that's interesting. My other kids were a lot older. Yeah. And they were with their mum a lot of the time. And my little one, Daisy, was going to be with me, obviously, all the time. It was like, okay, this is like having my first baby again. But like you said, none of the panic, none of the worry, you know... I we attended prenatal classes and stuff, and I was just sat there, kind of twiddling my thumbs, because it's like oh, I know all this, I have done it, but in a way that was like trying to support Daisy's mum and just go, you know, we will get through this. Look, this is what we've talked about. This is similar to things we've discussed about birth plan and what have you, and that came with its own downsides. But the the excitement of it was just as intense, and I, it was because. It was a whole new situation that I was in compared to with my first two. It's amazing. And obviously, I'm not going to have that again. You know, (laughs) touch wood. So I have to live vicariously through my friends now who are having children. And then that will move on to my own children having children. And hopefully I'll have a great grandchild at some point and I won't be dead (laughs) by that point. (laughs) I'll get to see them before I pop my clogs. I'm going to say this now (laughs) so it's on record, okay? The last thing you need is more kids, okay? Oh, <laughs> I know yeah. what you're like. No, no, no shut up. I know what you're like. <laughs> I know what you're <laughs> I know, I know the second you hold that baby of his, you're then going to go home and oh be like, shit, right, I need to get a woman and then get her pregnant as quickly as possible. <laughs> <laughs> I need another kid. I need to find me some a broody woman. Yeah. <laughs> just do Jeremy Kyle, like, and just knock someone up and then do, like, a paternity test and a lie detector test. On, on national TV, that'll be fine. It'd be one of those Maury, I'll be... Maury Povich where they're going to say, Adam, you are the father, and you're going to be the first person ever to jump up and down and celebrate that fact. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I get to pay maintenance. <laughs> yes. I, I get to have one day a week with my child. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear no, me. but seriously, I am so over the moon for them. And I know it's early stages yet. We're obviously not going to go into too much detail because it is a private time for them they don't mind us talking about it but the the point that they're at doesn't mean it's going to be instant 
It means it is coming. Yes. Like, in the next few days, yeah. probably, for, for the baby's safety. But it doesn't mean that it's going to be tonight. Which is annoying, because I want that damn baby out. I know, yeah. <laughs> I want it to break during the show. That would be the best thing ever. But it, no, I don't think it will. Oh, my but it'll God. Be, by, this, by this time next week, we'll you know, when we record it. the new show, it will be here. That's going to be the cool thing. Yeah. Which is awesome. That's it. Exactly. It'll be our first guest <laughs> on the podcast. It's going to be this little baby. <laughs> What's going to be hilarious as well is, and one of the reasons why I did this, it's just hearing a dad, a first-time dad in real time, Week after week oh after week. I cannot wait. Just because at some point, <laughs> Benny is going to slip into delirium of some kind. Because he will. <laughs> Either through lack of exactly. sleep or just chaos in the house. Or what do I do about this thing? What is this? He never told me about this. Because there's yeah. going to be something we forgot to tell him about. And we're going, oh God, yeah, that. I forgot about that. Yeah, sorry. And so, and it's just going to be funny just to document it and watch it all go down. I can't wait. <laughs> I know. And for our listeners as well, the the happy, cheery Benny of the past like eighteen episodes has gone now. <laughs> that 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 Benny is no more. He's dead. I'd say he's dead. Yeah, he's dead. The, the new dad Benny, where over the next like six to twelve months, he progressively gets more and more tired to the point of near insanity. <laughs> That's on its way. <laughs> oh god, I can't wait. It's so funny. Oh, it will be. But it it like. What what I particularly liked is in our group chat, in our like circle of friends, that news pop and the first things we were talking about was like, right, we're gonna help you like move house, we're gonna come down and we're all gonna travel from all different parts of the country. And the main the main point was, yeah, we'll see the baby, but we'll also we'll be able to have wagon manners. And that's <laughs> yeah. very important. Together. That's all we care about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I said to Sarah before, oh. Benny's done this basically like it's ended up like grand designs. Where every time, for some reason, on Grand Designs... Well, if you don't know, by the way, Grand Designs is a show where people have ridiculous amounts of money to spend. They then plan and build their own house. And it always, always, always ends up going wrong somehow. And they go over budget, yeah. or they like the glass fitters turn up one day and it's the wrong size, so the place flood. You know, the the glass is the wrong size, so the yeah. place floods and it all goes <laughs> wrong. Yet every time on Grand Designs, every time there's a couple, the woman gets pregnant halfway through. And I just think every yeah. time they do, it's mad, and that's what Benny's doing well, they're now. Already pregnant when they join, well, yeah. <laughs> and it's like you know this is going to take eighteen months to build this house. You, your child will be at school by the time you're fully moved in and comfortable. You're going to be in a caravan Dude, for the next five years. It's so funny. Every every episode's the same thing. This is Jim and Susan. They're looking at spending one year living in this caravan. And then it, and, it, and then by the end of the episode, it, well, it's taken three and a half years. But finally, they've moved in. I'm just thinking, oh, my God, you've been living in a caravan for three and a half years. Yeah. Just to get your house. And you're unhappy with the house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're moving out. <laughs> it's fucking nuts. And they always go into massive the debt. They always oh, borrow money off everybody. Oh, God. I'm just like, what are you doing? Yeah. You're mad. You're mad. Yeah. It's just the house. You're mad. Oh, God. It's the whole, like, uh, Jim and Susan are first-time buyers. Jim is a part-time milkman (laughs) on a salary of £59,000 a year plus commission. (laughs) Susan is an unemployed housewife on a salary of £500,000 a month. (laughs) They they, they have a budget of £90 million. (laughs) I know. It's so true. It's like, why? Why do you get... How do you get this money? And every t- every time, every time it's the same thing as well. What's your budget for the build? Well, we're looking to spend about four hundred and fifty grand. Cut to the end of the show. So how far did you go over budget? 
we can't talk about that, Kevin. <laughs> I'm like, it's so bad. <laughs> I'm robbing yeah. banks and Can stuff. Can we not be on this show, please? We've got the bailiffs yeah. after us. <laughs> Who's out the door? Where well, we're going to take it away. Can't pay, we'll take it away. <laughs> Every episode. Oh my God, that would be like the best like joint show. <laughs> Immediately you get that like Dom Littlewood or whatever his name yeah. is. All right, there, we're here to take away your stuff. That ornate piano that you had hand-carved in Sicily at a cost of €150,000, that's ours now. It's insane. Got a court order. They always go over budget. It always takes way longer than you expect. I mean, there's ones where they are literally... And I don't, when we say living in a caravan, we're not talking about they've got like the fucking bus that Will Smith has that's essentially a 17-story, a 17-bedroom mansion on wheels. No. Yeah. They are living in a dirty dog fucking caravan. And, you know, they have to tape up the windows because it's all broken and they have to like... And they've got yeah. kids living there. <laughs> I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, these kids are going to get TB just so you can end up moving into this fucking <laughs> mansion that you want. What are you doing? You're fucking nuts. And it's the same every week and it's just hilarious. Yeah. And at the end, the fucking man looks... He's gone grey. He's got wrinkles coming out of his fucking arse. The woman's all yeah. fucking haggard. She's been totally owned by the fucking whole process. It's just killed her. <laughs> and I just think you've done all this for this house. They're in debt up to their fucking balls. They've gone to the... Yeah. And they, 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 there's ones where they'll say, yeah, well, we went to the, back, the bank for a fourth time and they said no more money. And I'm thinking, no shit, they said no more money. If you've got exactly. the bank turning you down... We put it on in, our 20 credit cards. Yeah. It's fucking nuts. Oh, no, we'll end up having to borrow some money off friends. I'm like, can you imagine going to your friends and just saying, you know that dream house we're building that we've been Lord Novi for the past two years? Can we have some money to finish it? Yeah. And you'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? I think it's been it's been on for, I mean, it's decades at this point. It must be at least 20 years that oh, show's yeah. been on. And I think I've seen three where it's just gone fine, no problems. Yeah, it's all great in the end. Not not a single yeah, thing wrong with it. Exactly. Maybe three episodes in that entire run. It's absolutely fucking nuts. But that yeah, the the whole the whole thing about that show though is that last like five minutes. Oh yeah, that's all I care about because I'm a huge fan of like architecture and like unique builds, especially for residential properties. <laughs> I'm laughing already. Go and on. Seeing them, <laughs> yeah, oh, it's amazing. It really <laughs> like, it itches a scratch in my head, but. <laughs> Some of them, Jesus. Every I, This is what else happens every episode. Every episode we're watching it. And don't get me wrong, it's like this £700,000 house. It's got a disco downstairs. There's a fucking built-in... There's a built-in hot tub bathroom in every room. The en-suites are probably bigger than my entire house. And every <laughs> single time, me and Sarah look at each other and go, I don't like that. That's fucking awful. <laughs> you spent all that money on this. I don't even like it. It's horrible. Yeah. Oh god! Watch how cold and echoey that house is. I know, yeah. There's no, there's it's no, no, no character. It's got no What's character. On? What's wrong with it? Yeah. Oh god! That shows. See, on the other end of the scale, there's that show that's on on BBC Daytime where it's basically I, I forget the name of it, and you'll know it. But it's that show where they go right. We've got a shitty house that goes up for auction. Oh, Homes Under the and Hammer buys it, and Homes Under that's the Hammer. That's a great show. And there was. <laughs> It's an amazing show, particularly for this one clip I saw on Reddit the other day, where the guy who bought it, this house, this really decrepit, run-down house in London for, like, three grand. He's a slum landlord, basically. <laughs> no way. And they go in, and, like, it's, it is so dated. The bathroom is, like, original, like, 1930s fittings, but not in a nice way. It's all, like, cracked porcelain. The kitchen is, like, missing drawers in the units. And they say to him, so we can see, obviously, a bit of work needs to be done in the kitchen, in the bathrooms. How? What's your budget for looking to replace these fittings? And he just goes, 
Well, I'm not replacing them. <laughs> uh, what? Well, they're fine. They work. <laughs> no way. And his own his only budget was like two grand to do a bit of painting. No shit. <laughs> Just no, that's illegal. You can't do that. There are missing drawers. There's just holes in cabinets. There's cracks in the toilet. <laughs> what are you doing? But then you realise, shit. So many people live like this. Yeah, yeah. With these types of slum landlords, and they are part of the problem in this country and with the housing market. At the other end of the scale, the people who can't afford those like seven hundred fifty thousand pound first time buyers bills. <laughs> 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 Who can't afford a house at all, having to rent, or renting properties like that. I hate I hate shows like Location, 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 A Home in the Countryside, all the shit, because it's absolute fucking elitism, and it drives me fucking mad. Every single episode, they'll go, oh, well, this is Brian and Mary. They've got a budget of £800,000, and I'm thinking, oh, fuck you. You're not living in the real world. <laughs> And then I think yep. these people on these shows who present it are classed as some kind of genius because I can't believe you managed to find a house here. I've you've given me a million pound budget. <laughs> How could I not find yeah. you a house for a million pounds? You know exactly. what? Exactly. That that's like not even a setting of right move. On, yeah, on yeah. The <laughs> that's it a, doesn't go up. That's that no high. limit. Like okay, I've got no limit. Yeah. That's the setting is no limit. <laughs> I always think send those fucking presenters, those toffee no shits, to send them to fucking Toxteth. Or Moss Side. What's your budget? Yeah. Well, about twenty five grand, if I'm being honest. Okay. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. Now see. Now show me what you can find me. That's the fucking show I want to see. Yeah. Now find me a well, good. Well, I can actually buy you uh, a row of abandoned terrace houses <laughs> on a street in Liverpool for five quid. Uh, cost, yeah, five quid for all of them. Uh, admittedly, they have no doors or windows, so if you've got some welding equipment to get through the shutters, <laughs> you'll be fine. Yeah, I hate it. I hate that it's just it's just such pure elitism. But then maybe people like seeing that other side. Maybe people enjoy seeing that. I don't know, but I just think how how good can you be at your job really if your budget is yeah. no limit? That's you're not good at your it job. It really appeals to those people, and I know a few of them who like as a hobby will go on right move and they'll like look for all the houses in their area and they'll they'll change the sort settings and they'll sort by price high to low just to have a look like how the other half live and i know people who do that and it's just fun for them to see like what other people's houses are selling for and to have a little cheeky gander inside them and i've been guilty of that myself at places i know or like when my neighbors have put their house up for sale Oh yeah, of course I'm going to look. I want to see in that oh, yeah, inside their house, yeah. see how it like compares to mine or how I don't compare to them. But I, I don't understand how people can then scale that up to just permanently enjoy these shows. It's the same for like cooking shows and things like that. People watching them aren't then going, oh, that's a great recipe. Right, I'm off to the kitchen. <laughs> uh, I'm going to put iPlayer on and I'm going to follow that recipe. They're just sitting there just going... Oh, you know what? I'd love to eat that while they're eating like a, a cheese and onion crisp butter. It <laughs> <laughs> looks marvellous, that, as they took into the fish fingers. To be, for t- <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, because I'm a huge cooking show fan. I, I fucking love and have done ever since I was a kid. I don't know why. Maybe it's I, I find them incredibly, incredibly relaxing to watch. And I love cooking shows. MasterChef Australia is one of my favourite shows in the world. I fucking love that show so much. Because they make they yeah. they will go 
and do all kinds of stuff. So one week they'll do barbecuing. Next week it's street food. I mean, like, you know, they'll say like, well, your budget's like four pound a plate. You've got four dollars to make a meal, you know, like but then yeah. the next week it will be something crazy. Oh, you know, you're cooking for fucking Gandhi or something like what? Hang on. How do we get from street food? Like, you know, how do we get from <laughs> there to this? But but I love cooking shows, but they've improved a lot because back in the day they were the same. They were very, very elitist. And it was, yes, oh, this, yeah. this recipe will only take you 17 hours to make. And you only need 38 ingredients. I'm thinking, what? Who's got th- who has got <laughs> these ingredients as well just lying around? Oh, I've just gone to the back yes. of the... F- go, go to your herb garden and retrieve your saffron. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and then we'll use like it that. on that freshly slaughtered lamb <laughs> from your uh, yeah. herds of sheep. Go and talk to your local butcher. Who talks to the local butcher? <laughs> you know... <laughs> just go. I just go into well, Aldi. Oh, these are all right. Oh uh, well, I I don't want to blow my own trumpet, but I have talked to my local butcher for like the best way to cook pork in a uh, spaghetti sauce. Nice, because what? my my gran and it was one of my favorite ever meals. She did spaghetti bolognese, but instead of minced beef, which is kind of like the tradition for spaghetti bolognese, it she did it with diced pork. It was wow. like diced pork and garlic bolognese sauce and it is the best and i've tried my best to kind of recreate it because obviously she's long dead (laughs) so i can't ask her what a recipe was so i've got like my own version and oh my god it is amazing so i have talked to my local butcher but just at once and then i got intimidated because he had really big arms i was gonna say i mean yeah but the way they talk (laughs) about it the fucking local butchers coming around to theirs for you know a fucking an evening of bridge or something and i'm like no oh yeah they know them by name they do home delivery and it's grass-fed free-range vulture meat that they're getting (laughs) apparently according to these shows when you walk into local butchers it's meant to be like cheers and everyone turns around and goes oh hey he's here hey everybody how you doing good to be back kind of thing hey here he is they'll like chug a little glass of dripping in (laughs) celebration (laughs) just slide it down the bar to you like a western (laughs) yeah but 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 cooking shows have got a lot better and i know he takes a lot of fucking stick but i like jamie oliver i think he's good because I don't think he, I, I appreciate what he tries to do, and I know there's people who think he's fake and bullshit and all that. But I've heard him say more things I definitely, definitely agree with than more things I don't agree with. So he's he's always said, yeah. "I'm not a chef. I'm just a cook. I'm just a good cook. I'm not." A sh-. He said, "I hate all that fucking," and I hate it too. Because when I used to cook for my job, I I didn't class myself as a fucking chef. That's bullshit. You know, like, oh, and he, yeah. he's the executive chef. Oh, fucking have a word with yourself, mate. You absolute fucking hero. <laughs> executive chef. Fucking grow up. You're a cook, mate. You're a cook. That's what you are. You cook food. That's yeah. it. And I, I I do hate that pretentiousness and ponsiness. And I don't think Jamie Oliver has that. I think he's just really down to earth and normal. And I like the fact he does a show that's like 15 minute meals and stuff like that. We need stuff like that. And I think he's. Yeah. Definitely. You know, he shows like, okay, you only need these, you need four ingredients. Like, here's how you make a really good macaroni cheese with these four things. That's it. It's, it's cheap and it's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think yeah, he's really good this, stuff like that. Yeah, there was a cooking show on, oh, I forget the name of it. It was something like The Economic Cookbook or something like that. And it was basically a, a series with two chefs where they would sit and they'd go, right, we are going to cook like a base. And then we're going to show you like the four or five different meals that you can use this base on. 
So they'd cook like a, a a minced beef and tomato sauce with some onions, some mushrooms, garlic in. So that's your pasta sauce done. But they also said, right, if you get this, add some rice and a bit of chilli powder, you've got a chilli. If you do this with it, you've got burritos. If you do this with it, you've got a, a, an Italian shepherd's pie or something like that. And it was all about cooking these bases in batch, sticking them in your freezer, and then you've got a meal. And all you need to do is like a little bit of prep work, like boil some spaghetti, put your base in the microwave, you've got a meal. And that was fantastic. And it's the only cookbook I've ever bought. And it does have some pretentious stuff in it. It does like have your own like, just get a leg of lamb and roast that <laughs> and slice it up these particular ways and freeze that. And then you've got a variety of meals. But it's like, I'm not going to buy a leg of lamb, mate. I barely get like diced chicken from Lidl. <laughs> you know, but it is that idea appeals to me, and I agree. I think we need a lot more of that, especially at the moment where we need people to be educated to say, right, here you have a very easy meal to make, and it meets all of these like macronutrient levels, all the vitamins in it that you need, and it can be utilized in a variety of different ways. And ever since that show came out, that's how I've tried to live, is by doing that type of thing. Over the past year or so, you know, with lockdown and everything, I failed. And I have had my fair number of teas where I've just had, like, a cheese and ham toasty or a crisp butty, because that's just the easiest thing to make. But that that's what I want to see, is more cooking shows like that. I think that the the problem as well is that they'll just... They'll, they'll kind of go that oh, this is really easy to make, but they've got sort of, like I said, they've got 12 bowls of ingredients and stuff like that. I yeah. think that was that was, it. that was what Jamie did. It, it was all these meals you can make with five ingredients or less. And I thought that's... Oh, that's good. It's, I can't remember what it's called, but it's it's a, that's a... He made that into a cookbook as well. And that's a really good idea. Yeah. And I'm the, I do the same. I, I make a, a giant... I've got a giant pan that I make, a giant batch of food, and it does all of my dinners for the month mm. at work. That's how much food I yeah. I can make in this pan, uh, but I, I think that like cooking is it's it's just super intimidating. It is really hard to because people don't want to fail. You you don't want to spend because that's how I learned. I just learned because I kept making mistakes and trying stuff and going, oh, what the fuck have I made with this? This yeah. is awful. But I did it when I was thirteen, fourteen instead of tw- trying to do it when I'm twenty eight, twenty nine. And you have that thing of I don't want to come in from work, spend time making something, and then it's shit because I've just wasted all yeah, that time exactly. and all that money. And you can, it's just easier. It's just easier. Well, I'll just, I'll just grab seven ready meals off the shelf because I know how it's going to, I know how it's going to taste. I know I enjoy it. Exactly. And all you need to do is stick them in the microwave for like seven minutes. You're done. Yeah. And you're done. And you've got a meal and it might not be that filling. It might not be that good for you, but it's food and you just, you're just using it as energy then. You're not using it as like a nice experience. Yeah. I, well, I, I agree. I think teaching cooking to kids is a huge thing. Things like reading, obviously, is a big thing when the kids are very young. Then the writing and then the maths, so the basic skills, physical stuff, and then things like cooking. So they can look after themselves, because eventually they're going to leave home, and you don't want them to have to rely on Deliveroo or tins of soup when they're at uni yeah. or they're living on their own or anything like that. You want them to be able to like look after themselves healthily and, and do it. In, in a way that they're going to enjoy as well, where they don't see it as a chore, like you said. 
my eldest daughter, uh, she doesn't cook for me because I, I just like cooking. I, I like cooking for my kids. But she cooks for a mum every now and then. Like every couple of meals, she'll do one for a mum. Oh, that's good. Uh, she's really hot at doing Spanish chicken and things like that. And that's good because then she's cooking things she wants to eat. Yeah, yeah. And she's not being fussy. Which is another thing with kids, is yeah. just finding something that they're going to bloody eat. Especially when you've got three of them, and they all like different things. It's a nightmare. Actually, yeah, that's a good point. I never even thought of that. If you've got three of them, it's even worse, yeah. And I think, yeah, that aside from, aside from like we've said, I think nowadays is that people have to be taught how to not just cook, but cook, like you said, conveniently. Okay, if you cook this, it'll only take you 10 minutes. It, you may think it won't, but it, it will. And also, people will make something. For the, the first time you make something, it takes longer. It always takes longer. I consider myself a decent cook. There's nothing I don't think I could, aside from something ridiculous, but all the basics I could absolutely make. No problem now. But when I first yeah. started doing them, yeah, it took me ages. The first time I made pasta, it took me ages. The first time I tried to make a cake from scratch, it took me ages because I was so pernickety about it. And now I'm fine. I can, but people again, it's they don't have that inclination to think. Well, oh god, this is going to take me like an hour. I don't want to sit fucking stand in the kitchen for an hour doing this shit. I'd rather just yeah, you know, exactly. get something Some quick and get it done. Some people just don't enjoy it, and that's true as well. And yeah, that's fine. You know, if you if it's not a thing that you enjoy doing, that's fine. But you still need to know the basics of it. It's like looking after yourself physically. You might not enjoy going out and doing exercise, but you know you shouldn't be sat down all day on your bum, and you should be getting up and doing some mild exercise. And obviously not everyone knows that, otherwise the NHS wouldn't have to do so many programmes and advertisements telling people to do that. But it's important that people do these minor things to look after themselves, because it's not just physical, it's mental as well. You've got to look after yourself mentally, and exercise and a good diet are key to that. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think, like you've said, t- talking about your daughter doing stuff and you know learning to cook and things like that, kids do soak up a lot of stuff and they see a lot of things that you do. So they will just start to accept that oh, this is the norm. And fair enough, George doesn't help yeah. me cook tea lots of times. Uh, there's nights I will make three different meals for all of us. Because I personally, because yeah. I enjoy it, I get it. Not everyone will enjoy it, and everyone would think that's a fucking ball ache. But I, I generally, because I'll go in the kitchen, I put my headphones in, I'll stick podcasts on for like forty-five minutes, and I'll happily just kind of toil away in there. I get it. Some people don't like to do that, and yeah. um, that's not a problem. But your kids have to see you doing these things. Okay, I know he exercises, or like my wife, I know like Georgia knows that my wife works really hard at her job. Because she has a career. I just have a job. She knows I'm my job could be done by a fucking one of those duck things with water in it. But <laughs> Sarah actually has a proper career and Georgia knows that. And so she sees that side of it. And at least then you're giving them the information to then run with it. And at the end of it, if Georgia doesn't want to yeah. learn to cook or doesn't want to have a job where it's crazy hours or, you know, you're working all the time, that's fine. But you have to at least give them that chance to succeed. And I think there's that thing of when parents just come in from, you know, they just the kids come in from school and they have a takeaway every night. That's all that kid's going to know. They're not going to know any different. Or they're not going to, yeah, or, or yeah. you know, or, or the parents are just, you know, constantly on the dole, don't want to work, happy to take off the, you know, sponge off the state, all that kind of thing. It, it will then have a knock-on effect to your kids, which is which is harsh sometimes. Exactly. You know, kids mirror the parents actions and behaviors and and those actions and behaviors of other people around them other members of the family which is why my kids bone idle a lot of the times because <laughs> i am 
<laughs> but when it comes to cooking, when it comes to like my kids and I all have the same sense of humor, which is often quite juvenile, you know, making Trump jokes and things like that, uh, not about, you know, political humor, but the bodily function and things like that, because I do as well. And we share, you know, a common passion for certain TV shows or films that we watch. My youngest daughter wouldn't be into Spider-Man if I wasn't a, a nerdy comic book guy. And she loves it. And it's such a unique part of her characteristic that sets her aside from that stereotype that she could easily fall into. And it's something that she'll carry forward is that open-mindedness of, you know, not everything is going to be prescribed for me. I can enjoy what I want to enjoy. And it's little things like that that you don't know necessarily how you are going to be influencing your child or what positive benefit the stuff you do around them has. And likewise, a negative. Yeah, that's right. That's so right. I was going to, I had to mention this this week. George's, so I'm just going to quickly describe George's bedroom. So she has a, a captain's bunk, which is obviously the bunk bed without the underneath bit. And then, okay. where she, so where at the head end, behind the head end, there's a little gap. And then there's her wardrobes. So the wardrobe door opens. And then there's probably about a six inch gap between the edge of the wardrobe door when it's open and the head end of her bed. So what she likes to do is there's a plug uh, socket on the floor there. So sometimes, so what she was doing was she was sitting on the floor to charge her phone and just kind of scrolling with her back against the doors. It's now turned yeah. into, we've turned that into a little nook area and she now prefers to sleep on the floor in that corner. <laughs> Which is just this so fucking odd. So, so, but we've tried to, so we've put two duvets in the corner we've put an extra blanket on top of that and then a fluffy blanket on top of that so it does look nice and we decorated it last weekend we put little fairy lights around the back of her bed so she can have little lights in there and it looks really really nice but she just keeps asking to sleep on the floor and i just think i hope people at school like oh so what's your bed like i actually sleep on the floor (laughs) and they'll be oh my god really (laughs) oh no it makes a very comfortable room yeah (laughs) this is terrible (laughs) She sleeps on the floor, but I think I used. To, but I was thinking I used to do that when I was a kid. I loved sleeping on the floor when I was a kid. I would always like build bases underneath my bed and stuff like that, and sleep on the yeah. floor instead of in the bed. And I was saying, oh my god, it's fucking is ridiculous. It, <clears throat> is it like a, a nesting thing? She's trying to build like a little a cubby hole to kind of just get really comfy in. I I was wondering that, like subconsciously, is it like a nice? I'm all kind of enclosed and safe type thing. Yeah, and weirdly as well. She goes to sleep way quicker on quicker on the floor than she does in bed. In bed, she can be awake for like an hour. And a, so we, she's older now, so we can have let her go to bed about nine o'clock, and then she can have her Alexa on. Yeah. She can have music on for half an hour or so. Yeah. So so her Alexa will go off, and I can sort of glance past her bedroom at half past ten, and she'll have, she'll have been like awake for an hour, and I just go in and say to her, "You're not asleep yet, George." She's like, oh no, I can't. I can't get sleep, Daddy. I'm not. All right, fine. I mean, you can't. I'm not going to you know shout at you for going to sleep because you can't go to sleep, but. So then if I go past her and she's lying on the floor, within 10 minutes she's fast asleep. I think, why can you go to wow. sleep quicker on the floor? It doesn't make any sense. I was I wondering if your kids maybe, had anything Maybe it's like that. that kind of... Not, not really. Uh, my, my lad doesn't like duvets. He has like one of those fleece blankets that you would drape over your settee. Oh, that's interesting. And like that. And he basically, he lays that out as a sheet, lays on it, and then folds it over himself. And he's like, practically nude under there so even during the winter he's there like practically nude under this like single fleece blanket 
and he's got a pillow, but he's also got one of those pillow pet things. You know, the the soft toy that has a Velcro strap on oh, it. Oh, yeah, open yeah, the strap yeah. And it folds out to make a pillow. And he has that. He has to sleep on that at mine. He doesn't have one of his mom's, but in mine, he has to sleep on it. If you throw it away and, like, put a different cushion there or something like that, no, he won't get to sleep <laughs> on it. No way. So he has that. Sophie has one of those beds, but she's never had that similar type of issue yeah. with it. Uh, and neither has Daisy. Although, on on that note, and we'll come back to it in a minute, I do have some sleeping news for Daisy, as boring as that may sound. But no, I think maybe it is that comfort that she's getting from being all nested in that's allowing her to feel more comfortable and more snuggly and more snoozy, maybe. I guess so. I think I, I'm not the same anymore. I mean, f- hilariously, I'm not, I'm not sure what you're like when, if there's somebody in the bed with you, the second me and Sarah say goodnight, we roll opposite and face away from each other. <laughs> it's, oh, yeah, it's so definitely. funny. <laughs> and it's nothing to do, you know, not as an argument or anything. We just go, okay, no night, no night, and just give her a kiss. And then she'll roll over, and I roll over, and we just face opposite each other, like back to back. I don't want to be anywhere near yeah. her when I'm going to. I hate being... People are like, oh, can we snuggle and go to sleep? No, no, we can't. I can't sleep if you're on me. I don't like it. Leave, like, I need my own space. Yeah. Leave me alone. My ex was definitely like that. My most recent ex was definitely like, just get off me. Don't fucking touch me. <laughs> and that may have been a sign of like the problems in our relationship <laughs> more than, rather than this is how she prefers to get to sleep. Whereas I was very much like, I just want to cuddle just for a few minutes, just to help me relax. Uh, and then I'll, I turn away. I, exactly. I can't necessarily get to sleep snuggled up to someone. It depends on the person in the situation, but generally I'll be I'll be facing away. But I will then wake up in the middle of the night and I'll basically be lying on top of that person. <laughs> just like a huge human pillow just covering them. Again, possible reason for the, the separation. I don't know. <laughs> it's just, Adam, you're too fat now. I can't breathe. <laughs> This relationship is done for my own well-being. Sarah, Sarah says that sometimes she'll wake up in the middle of the night and I've gone so far across, I'm on her pillow and she'll turn over and I'm right there, basically. And she'll she'll scream. Yeah. She'll go, oh, like that. <laughs> like, oh, so, like, you're right in front of me. And I'm, I'm the same kind of thing as I'm just, all, once I get to sleep, I'm all over the place. I'm rolling over, bloody scratching yeah. myself, talking, everything. It's a whole fucking show when I go to a night. And I don't remember a single thing. I don't remember anything about it. No, me neither. And unfortunately, I'm, I'm one for gaining comfort by squeezing certain parts of the the my sleeping partner's uh, anatomy. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, it's just as a comfort thing. Of course. Put my arm there and just giving a little gentle squeeze. Just go, <laughs> yeah, they're there, awesome. And then that, that's it. And that that's not acceptable either. And I know that. I know that. But sleeping me doesn't know that because it's all unconscious snuggling. I think it's yeah. acceptable <laughs> if you're in a in a relationship with somebody and have been for a while. I don't think there's anything wrong yeah, with. Yeah, I. Because it. I would like I would like this recording to go into my divorce proceedings, please. <laughs> I don't think that that's an issue. That if you've been in a relationship no, for that no. long, that now and again. No, I agree. Because what's <laughs> mine is yours. Consent issue. What's mine is yours. What's like yours that. is mine. Yeah, but it, it's all part of that love language, like and that comfort that you get from a person is expressed in different ways. And for me, it's that physical contact. Yes, and unfortunately, as a, as a man. A red-blooded heterosexual man—that is 
a part of the body that I get a lot of comfort from. So therefore, <laughs> unconsciously, I would like to be reassured that it's there and in good working order. <laughs> as part of me getting sleep. I've always Can we been... delete this part of the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> we can if you want. I've always been incredibly, incredibly touchy-feely with the girls I've been with. And luckily, yeah. and I don't, I mean, I mean, Christ, I hope none of them ever minded, but they never said they did. I would hope that they would know that they would say, you know, don't, don't do that here or, you know, don't, yeah. don't give me the fucking big finish in the middle aisle at fucking Tesco. Don't, you know, just, <laughs> it's, there's a time and a place, but I've, I've always. My grandmother's funeral, what are you doing? <laughs> Wake up. <laughs> I've always, um. If I've ever walked past them in the house or we've been out somewhere or I'll always give the bum a cheeky squeeze or I'll always give them a, a smack on yeah. the bum or something. I don't know. I, and none of them have ever said they minded or even give me any slight inclination that they minded. I was thinking, yeah. though, girls don't do that. It's very, it's always me and I will always go over and give Sarah a cuddle and give her a squeeze and squeeze a bum or squeeze a boob or all that kind of stuff. Can you imagine... And I'd love, if any women are listening to this, please do this to your man. Please. Just walk past him one day and grab his junk and then act like nothing's happened. <laughs> because when I do that to Sarah, I don't do it and then think, well, we're going to have sex now. No, I, I just do it because I just want to give her a squeeze. I, there's nothing else to it. Maybe, exactly. Maybe subconsciously exactly. I'm thinking about that, but I don't go in and give her a cuddle and then squeeze her boobs thinking, ah, you know what I'm after now. No, because I'm not even. Yeah, I'm not even I'm thinking. Warming up your engine. Yeah, I'm not even thinking about that. I'm because because then I'll just go no. and make a cup of tea or do whatever. I would love. I would love for any of the women listening to this. Just grab your fella's junk one day and just ignore it like nothing's happened in the kitchen. If he's yeah, making a brew, or, walk up behind him, put your head on the <laughs> on, his, on the back of his shoulder, squeeze him around the middle, and then just cup his balls and then just walk away. <laughs> Because I'd love to yeah. know, because it never happens to guys. I'd love to know what the reaction was. I'd love I it. I think, I think if if a woman did that to a man, and that isn't a usual part of their relationship, the man will likely see that as a signal for like, okay, we're getting into sexy times, rather than the way like you've done it, which is like, I just love you, and this is how I express my love for you, is by feeling your body, because it's so amazing, it's so lovely, I can't help myself but touch it. It, Like you say, it's not an invitation for sexy times. It is an expression of love. It's your love language. Yeah. And lots of people have different love languages, such as like giving gifts, you know, expressions through, you know, vocal expressions of love, through caring and empathic love. And that physical love is a big part of it. And I agree, I'm very similar in that with my partner, I do like that touch and that reassurance. It gives me comfort and joy to touch another person intimately like that, that I'm being intimate with. And like you say, not see it as a sign of let's get something started, but just like, oh, you're amazing. Honk, honk. <laughs> Never walk away. <laughs> what would have to happen is, what would have to happen is, the woman needs to do that to the guy. You are exactly right. Because it doesn't, because it's not a thing. The guy would then think, oh, well, she wants to have sex. At some point today, yeah. she wants to have sex with me. The woman needs to go to bed and go to sleep immediately. Just completely ignore <laughs> it ever. Completely ignore it ever happened. And if, if the guy says, yeah. you grab my dick, the woman needs to go, what are you talking about? No, I didn't. <laughs> Just, what are you talking about? Just like the husband. <laughs> yeah, what are you talking about? No, I didn't. Because I think men, I think subconsciously, men just can't help. Like say, I, 
there must be times where I've grabbed Sarah on the bum or grabbed her boobs and then she said something and I've thought, no, I didn't. I never touched you. Because it's just second, yeah. I just, that's just how it is. I'm, it's second nature. The woman would need to do that. So, okay, so here's the plan, women. Grab your fella, give, walk up behind him. When he's making a cup of tea or washing up is perfect. Put your arms around him, give him a cuddle with your head on his back, grab his junk and then just walk away. And if he mentions anything, what was that? Just say, what, what was what? What are you talking about? <laughs> Because yeah. just to put his mind into a pretzel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd be Yeah, fantastic. and if you do it enough times, whenever you, like, squeeze his junk, he'll have a panic attack because he <laughs> won't know what to believe anymore. You will gaslit him so much. <laughs> It'll be like a scared dog. <laughs> like, oh, what's, exactly. what's happening? You can, like, do it in the middle of Tesco. Yeah. You can just, like, grab, grab your man's junk if he's annoying you. He'll be, like, lying on the floor questioning his own existence while you get the shopping done. <laughs> they can just pick him up on your way back. <laughs> Fantastic. You wanted to mention Daisy's sleeping. Yes. Yes. So Daisy's sleeping. Now, I, I mentioned on this before, Daisy, who's my youngest, she's five years old. And ever since she has been born, you have to be in the room with her for her to get to sleep. Oh, yes, of course. Like, yes. From, from day zero. You have to be with her. I've mentioned like when she was a baby and we moved her into her nursery, we would have to go in and I would have to like put my hand on her chest to stop her wriggling around so much so that she would actually drift off to sleep. And she's been doing that up to a point. Now, last week over the half term, I had her all week. And despite protestations from her mum... I have now successfully trained her to go to sleep. Trained her. I've now <laughs> successfully taught her to go to sleep without anyone in the room. Hey. We still have to wait outside the room, but Good it's job. a big step. Good job, mate. And Good job. the next time she's with me, then that step is me going all the way downstairs and her just going to sleep on her own. And I know some parents will be listening to this going, what? Why is that taking you five years? I don't know. There's one, <laughs> it's the answer, dude, dude, but it bloody has. There's one, there's one listening to you on this call. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also like, like, I get it. Some kids, it, you just it's whatever it takes sometimes, isn't it? And it's just, you just go into that routine yeah. and that's it. And once you're in that routine, it's so fucking hard to break out of it because you're like, my kid has to go to sleep. I have to get her to go to sleep. And if this is how she gets to yes. sleep, this is how she gets to sleep. I can't risk her not going to sleep. So you got to do it. Yeah, exactly. And I wanted to do this years and years and years ago, but her mum didn't want to. And she she laid out particular reasons why, about like emotional development and her well-being and the propensity for her to have like mental health issues in the future because that is a family like hereditary illness that they have. And so she wants her to be as like uh, well-being minded and as mentally strong as she can be throughout and she was worried that this is going to cause if if we just shut her in a bedroom and let her cry out and just say no we're not coming in that's going to lead to a, a, a emotional issues which i can't argue with that yeah no i because, think it's fair enough you know she she brought up studies she did research and she said and not like, oh, just Googled something, like actually reading papers and doing the type of stuff we do with bad parenting advice, but with people who give good parenting yes. advice. Uh, and actually go, look, there is research behind it. So I was like, you know what? Okay, because it's what you want. And what I've done with my children in the past doesn't mean that we have to do this with uh, our child. 
now and we can do it in a different way and work together as a unit and five years later i wish i fucking stood up for myself and gone no we're bloody doing it because it's a bloody nightmare but on on another side there has been no closer connection than between me and this girl because of those nights we spend together where i'll go in a room and i'll read her a couple of stories we'll turn the lights off i'll make up a story for her and all the while holding her hand and hold her hand until she falls asleep and part of me is going throughout all those times this is bloody ridiculous get your kid to sleep the proper way and then the other part of my mind is this is my last child this is the only eight time she's going to be this age and at some point she's not going to be with me and especially over the past year where i've had less time with her that time has been more important to spend with her but it got to the point where i was like mate you're five and a half years old you bloody need to just get over it now and i'll make the sacrifice and so will you and that will be for your benefit and then mum turns around like on the weekend just goes it's bloody amazing she's just gone to sleep she like had one tear and then she just went to sleep. No way. I, I managed to get like loads of work done, and because she she does like a university course uh, in the evening, and she's like, "Oh, it's great! I can get all that work done just sitting outside her room." Yeah, you wouldn't <laughs> let me do it, <laughs> and I just did it. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, so I did it's the done same. Now. It's great news. That's no, good. No, it's great. I mean, fair play to you, mate. Fair play for for getting it done. I did the same with Georgia. I did the, and I never, I never know. I mean, part of it must be. I don't know because they're so young. I can never tell a part of it is on the child as well, that they're willing to do it. That maybe yeah. the, the method I, I did, the because I in my previous uh, relationships, some of my exes would always watch shows, you know, like Super Nanny and stuff like that. And shows oh, where yeah. they would actually do experiments with children at nighttime and things. And I, I remember watching one of them and this woman said, if your kid gets out of bed, you walk back in, put them back in bed, say goodnight, shut the door. Yeah. And you just keep doing that all night. You just, night, no yeah. no, in, you know, entertainment, no nothing, just night, kiss. Okay, shut the door, get out of bed, walk back in, night, kiss. Shut. And I, I did that one night, and it took me about three and a half hours before Georgia went to sleep. But then the next night, it took two hours, and then the next night, it took an hour and a half. And I thought, oh, okay, I'm, I'm, yeah. this is actually working. But I don't know if you could do that with every kid. I mean... Because some kids just might not be receptive to that. They might never go to sleep that entire night. And then what do you do? So you can't even say, well, there's how I did it. Because it might not work. You just have to, I guess you'd have to try it for a week and see if it worked. And if it didn't, then, all right, we've got to try something else. Well, this is it. That that is the exact exact technique that I use for my older two kids. And looking back on it, it's bloody heartbreaking. Oh, it's horrible. Dealing with those tears and just going, no. You're just going to bed. And especially at such a young age where they don't necessarily have that emotional development to say, or to think anything other than, my parent just doesn't want me. I <laughs> it's so oh good, dude. It's harsh and, and it's so bad. pushing them away. Oh, it's so bad. And that's all you're thinking as a parent. Yeah, it's yeah. like, I'm sorry, mate. This is for your own good. Yeah. And I've done that with my, my eldest children, and they're reasonably fine. Like... D- well-being-wise, you know, they they have their issues, but every kid does nowadays. Yeah. So it'll be an interesting experiment to see how my youngest, Daisy, develops. If if she will be similar to her brother and sister, or if those differences in the star will show up in her personality when she's older. I feel like I'm doing an experiment. Like, <laughs> it's a very unethical <laughs> behavioural experiment with my kids. 
Yeah, you'll be a. This is basically a part of your research paper, isn't it? For your bio- it is. My biology paper will project. be published in the Lancet by the time Daisy's eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny. It is really funny that the different methods and stuff, or the different ways people will get around certain things, or sleeping that's not it's so hard it's so because you just know like you have to go to sleep it's so important that you get a good night's sleep yeah and you're just yelling at me right now because i won't come in and cuddle you for 45 minutes it's so hard it's so hard (laughs) oh god it's the worst but thankfully benny's got all that to look forward to exactly exactly (laughs) i i can turn around and go don't worry benny she'll be able to get to sleep in about five years time by yourself (laughs) it's all good (laughs) <laughs> did you ever actually just quickly did you ever have the kids sleep in bed with you any of them I, as in I like it's done... bed it's bedtime okay we'll 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 like come in our bed and sleep with us in our bed type thing <clears throat> no only a couple of times with daisy over the past year where she's woken up a few times in the middle of the night yeah and it's got to the point where like it's three in the morning and i've got to be up early for work and i've just said to her, you know what sack it you're just coming in the bed with me yeah, yeah, I can't think of any other way of just dealing with this situation. So that's the only time I've never gone right. Come on, let's go to bed. You coming here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Me, me neither. We've like Georgia has never, ever, ever slept in our bed ever. And I don't know if that's a. No. And then, but then I don't know if 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 some study somewhere would say that that's really bad because she's not getting that closeness or something. I don't, I don't know. It's just never been a. We just never kind of allowed it or even. And I think she's asked a couple of times, but she's ne- never slept in our bed either. Oh, that's strange. I know there's yeah. people listening to this thing like, it- we're monsters. <laughs> <laughs> I say, it depends on the context, though. Like, if your kid's unwell and needs that constant, like, monitoring and attention and comfort. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, get them to sleep in your bed. But if it's just they're being a bit of a dick and they're just not going to bed because they, they were up a bit too late and they're a bit overtired, no. Go to sleep in your own bed. You'll thank me for it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I don't know. I will sound like a horrible parent, but that is just how I feel. Is You do have to be cruel to be kind to your own kids sometimes. Like, I'm not advocating locking your kid up when they've done something naughty so they understand that doing something naughty is bad. But when it is to their benefit and it is an important skill that they need to learn, being able to get to sleep by yourself is important at the end of the day not not just for the kid but for you as well you need that time when you've been looking after a kid all day especially over the past year when they've been homeschooled and what have you do you really want to be waiting until nine o'clock for your personal time to start no you don't (laughs) gotta look after yourself parents that's a really good point that is a really good point yeah when they go to bed that's that's when you can have your time to kind of unwind and de-stress and chill you need that time you absolutely need that time yeah. to, like I said before, remember that you're not just a parent. Oh, yeah, I have, I have other interests other than fucking sticking bits of pasta to a sheet and calling it art. I, I like to do other yeah. things. <laughs> <laughs> I like to watch violent movies and scary films and I like to play my video yeah, games exactly. and things like that. So, yeah, that's a good point. It's for your mental health as well, people. All right. Do you want to play a game without Benny? I can't. I can't play a game without Benny. No. He's my partner in crime. Fine. I feel we it'd can be move on to a, a very kind of related bit of bad parenting advice, if you like. Go on, we'll do the bad parenting advice. Yeah, we'll do the bad parenting advice. Cue the jingle. Thank you, a professional editing team that we have uh, Cheers, for inserting guys. it in that two-second-long gap that I gave you. This 
is from author Philip Wiley, who basically didn't pull any punches uh, with his book titled Generation of Vipers. It was a scathing critique. I know. (laughs) Of 1940s American culture. And in there, he went straight to what he considered to be the source of the problem with culture in 1940s America, which, in his words, were middle-aged, overweight mothers who apparently, according to him, were raising namby-pamby princes ill-suited to the rigours of real life. And he even went so far as to call American boys of the time, just a reminder, these are the parents of the boomer generation, the most prissy people on earth. The wow. reason for this, <laughs> this critique, and his parenting advice was basically to do the opposite of this, was that beforehand, before this generation of mothers, mums just didn't have enough household work at the moment. And the mums that came before did. And the mums that came before were basically so busy raising a large family, keeping house, doing chores, and fabricating everything in every home, apart from the floor and walls, that she was rarely a problem to her family or to her equally busy friends, and never one to herself. Usually, until very recently, mothers just folded up and died of hard work somewhere in the middle of her life. Oh my god. And therefore, (laughs) weren't around to be a middle-aged, overweight mother raising namby-pamby princes. So basically, the liberation of women <laughs> and the the advances in technology and the role of women in society in 1940s uh, America resulted in American men being uh, namby-pamby princes. So that goes to explain a lot of the issues they may currently be having. What is so interest- Philip Wiley oh, is the person you need to address any uh, any criticism of that to, not me. I'm just reading out what he wrote. I don't it is, believe it myself. It is interesting that every generation thinks the generation before them is soft and spoiled. Because that's what that sounds well, like. Well, in this case, it's the generation after them. So Philip Wiley is basically saying, the generation that's come after me are raising kids to not be tough like I am. No, but that's and what I mean, though, is that it, because those yeah. kids are being raised that way, the kids are then soft and spoiled. I see what you're saying, yeah, he's criticising the people after him, but that's what I mean. He's looking at those kids going, oh god, you're all just soft, spoiled, bloody princes, it's, what's wrong? And that's the same now. The boomers and the zoomers are now looking at, like, why couldn't you get on the property ladder? What, do you not work hard enough? And shit like that, and you think, (laughs) oh my god, you've got no fucking idea, you've got no idea how hard it is. Exactly. That's so interesting. And doing the same, doing exactly the same thing. You only have to look in like the comments of the Daily Mail website and stuff like that to to see this exact same thing. But thankfully, these guys aren't publishing books. They're just stuck in their own echo chambers at the moment. (laughs) Yeah, getting all their news off fucking Facebook for some reason. Yeah. (laughs) All right, there we go. There we go. That was it. Thank everybody for this week. Next week, we'll have a very, very exciting new edition. Adam, any last words, mate? Anything from you? I I just want to promote myself. Please, if you like (laughs) what I say and the type of things I come up with, why not watch me do it live on a webcam whilst playing video games on uh, Twitch? Twitch.tv forward slash Dekler, D-E-E-K-L-E-R. Watch me do this same thing, but to other people live and not just to my, my friend. 
So that's all go. I've got to say. Other than get that goddamn baby out as soon as you can, Benny and Blossom. Oh my god, I want to see that baby. There we are. Thank you, everybody. We will talk to you next week. Do you